Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Wow, the book of Ruth, one of my favourites. It's been a bit like a biographical film, seeing the lives of Naomi and Ruth as we've studied it this last month. Naomi loses everything, and then she gains a faithful and loyal daughter-in-law who cares for her and provides for her through every hardship. Ruth also often listens to Naomi's advice, something which I'm sure many mother-in-laws would adore, even when Naomi suggests to Ruth that she should get all dressed up and then go and lay at the dirty, smelly feet of a man on a threshing floor. The title that I was given to end our summer series was Playing Our Part. Our passage today appears after the privacy of that threshing floor proposal and then after a very public transaction at the city gate. Now the man with the legal right to own Elimelech's land, that's Naomi's husband, and in those days Elimelech's women, Ruth and Naomi, rejects this opportunity. He says that the value of his own land could be threatened. Why is that? Well, because according to Israel's religious and historical traditions, Moabites were considered deceptive. In fact, in Numbers chapter 25 and verses two and four, Moabite women are specifically blamed for Israel's sinful idolatry. So if you read it through an ethnic lens, Moab represents this stumbling block to Hebrew purity but more about Moab later. Boaz, however, he embraces Ruth and he looks past those taboos. And even though Ruth is marginalised on multiple levels, firstly, as a woman in a patriarchal society, secondly, as a foreigner, and thirdly, as a widow of a family who abandoned their people during a time of famine, Boaz aligns himself with her. And in doing that, Boaz redeems Ruth and her reputation and her mother-in-law, Naomi. Interestingly, Boaz moves past these taboos by embodying the Hebrew tradition of Yibam. But more on that later too. In today's passage, we find ourselves watching Boaz publicly announcing that Ruth will become his wife. It's interesting to see that those gathered at the city gate praise this action, calling down blessings upon the future of Ruth and Boaz's family. Why? Well, let's look back at Ruth's story and see what the community of Bethlehem notice about this poor widowed foreigner. Boaz first meets Ruth in a field and says, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law. Ruth was the talk of the town. The first thing we hear from the Bethlehem community in this story is that they barely recognise Naomi when she and Ruth arrive, exclaiming, can this be Naomi? Naomi's response is mired in depression. Naomi as a name meant pleasant. Now, however, she instructs everybody to call her Mara, which means bitter. Naomi lays the blame for her empty life squarely on God. I wonder how Ruth felt in that moment. A few days before, Ruth has made the famous speech, vowing commitment to her mother-in-law, saying, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. If I was Ruth, 
I might be wondering if I'd picked the right team. Ruth, however, holds fast to her promise. And she continues to act with extreme kindness. In Hebrew, the word is chesed. It appears 248 times in the Old Testament and it describes the kindness and love between people and the devotion of people towards God and the love or mercy of God towards humanity. My favourite translation of this word is loving kindness. News of Ruth's loving kindness towards Naomi is the talk of the town. Boaz believes that Ruth's loving kindness towards Naomi places her under Yahweh's protective wings and he prays that Yahweh will reward her for it, little knowing, I think, that he would be part of that covering of blessing for the young woman and her mother-in-law. Now, remember that strange Hebrew word that I mentioned earlier, Yibum? It was a kind of marriage which, yeah, it might seem pretty strange to us today, actually intended to protect widows that had been left destitute. Basically, according to Deuteronomy 25, if a man dies without having any children, his brother can marry the widow. Why? Well, because in that culture, a woman was considered property, as we see here in the Book of Ruth. And if you didn't belong to anyone, then you had no home and you weren't provided for. The second, more prominent reason, was because the family name was of paramount importance to the Jewish nation. If you had no children, your name would be forgotten. So how did Boaz go from identifying Ruth's loving kindness, chesed, and praising her for it, to then becoming her kinsman redeemer to embrace her through Yibum? Well, first we see that Boaz becomes more like Ruth by extending the same loving kindness he sees in her towards her. He redeems Ruth's life, and therefore Naomi's as well, through the following actions. Boaz guarantees Ruth's protection in chapter 2, verse 9. Then he offers her provision. Firstly, he invites her to drink water that his male servants poured, which, by the way, is the first clue that Boaz isn't held back by social conventions, because the Old Testament scholar Daniel Block says that Boaz inverts two interlocking conventions, Foreigners had to get water for Israelites and women had to get water for men. And the second time that Boaz provides for her is by repeatedly giving her more than she needs in chapter 2 verses 14 to 18 and then chapter 3 verse 17. He provides for her and for Naomi. Thirdly, inclusion. Boaz invites her to eat with him and his workers in chapter 2 and he doesn't leave her ashamed at having been brave enough to come to the threshing floor but covers her with his cloak in chapter 3 and then he publicly boasts about his marriage to her in chapter 4. So in the story we see Ruth's actions of loving kindness being noticed by Boaz who then begins on his own kindness campaign and these acts of kindness in chapter 2, verse 20, are noticed by Naomi, who we know formally attributed the bitterness of her life to God. But then Naomi calls down blessings from that same God on Boaz. I'm noticing a cycle. This chesed, this loving kindness, seems to be infectious. It reminds me of a film from 20 years ago called Pay It Forward. 
an 11-year-old boy decides to pay forward threefold the kindness that he experiences, and it impacts thousands of lives. But it doesn't come without sacrifice. It goes from the micro, the life of a little boy, to the macro, the life of thousands. Just like the story of Ruth. Whilst we've seen the micro impact of Ruth's actions on herself and her mother-in-law and the community of Bethlehem, we haven't zoomed out to the macro yet. So remember the other thing I mentioned way back at the beginning about Moab. Ruth was a Moabite. Why is that important? Well, Moab, before it was a place, was a man. He was the son of Lot. Now, Lot, you might know, was Abraham's nephew. Lot's dad, Haran, and his brother Nahor both stayed in the land that their dad Terah had settled in. Now Terah initially had left the land of Babel, the Tower of Babel, and set out for a new promised land of Canaan. But he stopped following that call and Nahor and Haran stayed put. Abraham, or Abram as he was at that point still, hears God's call to leave his family, his home and his people and go where God calls him. This has massive resonance with the call that Ruth grasps for her own life, to leave her family, to leave her home and to leave her people, and to follow someone who belongs to God and a different people. Now, Ruth's sacrifice of leaving all that she'd known eventually results in her family line being reintegrated in the promises of the Israelite nation. In fact, her sacrifice leads not only to the birth of the famous King David, who was her great-grandson, but also to the birth of the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. Each of the characters in the book of Ruth had choices about the part that they played. Ruth could have stayed in the land of her family, following their gods. Instead, her loving kindness compels her away from all that to care for a widowed, empty woman, Naomi. Ruth chose loving kindness. Boaz could have just been nice to Ruth when he notices her in the field. He didn't have to protect her. He didn't have to provide for her or include her. Instead, the loving kindness that he's seen in Ruth becomes infectious and moves him to break down boundaries and social expectations, going out of his way to choose loving kindness. We even see how this story transforms a whole community. Now, initially, Bethlehem's women's exclamation about Naomi's return is far from warm. In fact, I would say it's closer to sarcasm. By the end of the story, though, we are hearing blessings being called down upon Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. First, the elders of, of the city are in chapter 4, verses 11 to 14, blessing Ruth and Boaz and their offspring. And then the women of the community in verses 14 to 15, they bless Naomi and Ruth and Boaz because of the birth of Obed. So the book of Ruth, far from ordinary. What a story. It is littered with brave acts of kindness, loving kindness, which changed the course of history 
each character daily choosing to do the next right thing. Please do not tell my four-year-old daughter I just quoted Frozen 2. As we draw to a close, maybe ask yourself where you see echoes of your life in the characters in this book. Where are you being called to play your part? Are you Naomi? battered and bruised by life, blaming God for the bitterness that you feel? Will it take an outsider, an unexpected individual, to stand alongside you and call out the goodness of God in your life, telling you that they read your life differently? Are you Ruth, bravely standing alongside someone in need, clothing yourself in humility, just as Paul asks us to do in Colossians 3 verse 12, and then pushing through social taboos to provide, to connect and to encourage. Or are you Boaz, recognising the beauty and the presence of God in the most unlikely places, heeding God's call to bless that person or situation, crossing boundaries, and assumptions and tribes. The 19th century commentator Elizabeth Charles retold the Book of Ruth in 1884 and she identified the eternal significance of Ruth's life. I love what she said. So, this story, this old story of Bethlehem ends with sweet and sacred joy in a birth. And the name of Ruth, daughter of the outcast nation, and of Naomi, widowed and childless, are engraved in the pedigree of the Son of Man, of him through whom none are outcasts, and in whom there are no desolate hearts. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your words to us through the Book of Ruth today. I thank you that each of us have a part to play and each of us can choose daily to be kind, to be loving, to do the next right thing. I'm reminded of uh, the prayers of somebody on the 16th, just before the service, who reminded us to blossom where we are planted. And for me, it had echoes of Jeremiah 29, 29, where God, you told the exiles to build houses, to settle down and to plant gardens and eat their produce. God, you asked them to seek the prosperity and peace of the city they'd been carried off to. You told them to pray for it because when that city was blessed, your people were blessed. So please, Lord God, teach us what it means to blossom where you have planted us, even in the waiting for the kingdom to come. Teach us, dear God, to hear where you're calling us to play our part and to do the next right thing. To cross boundaries. To cross over prejudices. In order to live our lives led by your loving kindness. So that your kingdom comes and your will is done. 